most of the time when I respond to a call, I can tell within about 20 seconds that the patient needs to go to the ICU or not. If the patient is really compensating hard and failing, those are the patients that I don't even need an ABG to tell you that. And I go to these all the time, right? So the patient's breathing 50 times a minute, they're somnolent, they're pale, they're diaphoretic, and the resident wants to do an ABG to see what's wrong. No, an ABG can wait. It's not going to change what this patient needs, which is intubation and mechanical ventilation. Most of the time, the data that I need, I can gather from my physical assessment and an oxygen saturation or SpO2. But sometimes the diagnosis is a little more mysterious. We know something's off, but not totally sure how bad it is because the vital signs are still okay. And that's when an ABG is so helpful in determining how well the patient is compensating. When I'm on the fence between ICU or PCU, that ABG often helps guide the decision one way or the other. Hey there, I'm your host, Sarah Lorenzini, a rapid response nurse and educator who loves telling stories to teach critical thinking. This podcast is for nurses who want the knowledge, skills, and confidence to respond to any emergency. With almost 20 years of experience in the ER and critical care nursing and a master's degree in nursing education, I have a lot of stories to share, and I love to nerd out and break down the pathophysiology, pharmacology, and nurses' role in emergencies. Stories bring learning to life. It is way easier to learn from and remember the stories that my colleagues and mentors have told me than anything I've read in a textbook. And that is why I made this podcast. Every episode is packed full of exactly what you need to know to handle whatever crisis that could arise on your shift. It's one thing to get the right answer on the test, but knowing how to detect when your patient is declining and what to do when your patient is crashing is what will make or break your day and might just save your patient's life. So the past couple weeks, we've been talking about respiratory emergencies from trolley or acute transfusion-related lung injury to the case with Nurse Mo, where the patient had poop in his lungs, to the patient with Christian who had gastric secretions coming out of his chest tube. The commonality is all of these patients were in ARDS for one reason or another. One of the big diagnostic signs to confirm the diagnosis of acute respiratory distress syndrome comes from an ABG, where we get the P to F ratio. But if you're not used to looking at and interpreting ABGs frequently, it can take some time to wrap your head around them. I have received several questions about ABGs since they are mentioned in each of these episodes. So this week, I won't be doing a story. I'll be doing a little quick Q&A, and I will do my best to break down ABGs so they aren't so difficult to figure out the source for why your patient is on this acid-base balance struggle bus. If ABGs sound like a foreign language to you, you are not alone. I'll be honest, I learned the Rome and tic-tac-toe method for interpreting ABGs in nursing school, and that helped me pass the test, but I did not understand ABGs for a few years. So I graduated nursing school in 2004, and back then, if you wanted to learn something, you had to look it up in a book. YouTube came out in 2005, but it didn't really get big for years. But I remember probably like 2006, 2007 or so, looking up ABG interpretation on YouTube. And I found a video from this amazing nurse educator that I cannot remember her name to give her credit, but she taught ABGs in a way that I actually understood. 
and I'm going to do my best to simplify ABGs and teach them to you as clearly as she taught them to me. So first, we got to go back to the basics. The goal is homeostasis with a pH of 7.4, but the normal range of pH is 7.35 to 7.45. There are two systems that are responsible for maintaining pH in that normal range, your kidneys and your lungs. So the kidneys regulate the release of bicarb, which is a base, and the lungs affect the pH by how effectively they can get rid of CO2, which breaks down into an acid. So what's supposed to happen is if the lungs are having a hard time, then the kidneys should kick in to compensate. And if the kidneys are having a hard time, there's a metabolic problem, then the lungs should kick in to compensate. So when you look at an ABG, you just have to have the following values memorized. So the pH normal is 7.35 to 7.45. The PaCO2 is 35 to 45 millimeters of mercury. So less than 35 would be alkalotic. Greater than 45 would be acidotic. The CO3 or bicarb normal is 22 to 26 milliequivalents per liter. So less than 22 would be acidotic and greater than 26 would be alkalotic. So there's more numbers on the ABG, but those are the ones that really help you determine like what your interpretation of the ABG is going to be. The first question I ask myself is, what is the pH? Is it acidotic? Is it alkalotic? Is it normal? And if it's normal, which side of normal is it? Because remember, there's a range to it. So that will give you your patient's first and last name of the ABG interpretation. So the last name only has two options. It's either going to be acidosis or alkalosis. So pH less than 7.4 would be the last name of acidosis, and pH greater than 7.4 would be the last name of alkalosis. So next, I want to see if this patient is compensated or uncompensated. So if your pH is within the normal range of 7.35 to 7.45, then you have a compensated ABG. But the more difficult part is trying to figure out the patient's middle name. So like interpreting the middle name of the ABG. To get the middle name, you have to look at the bicarb and the CO2 to determine the source of the derangement. Another way to think about it is which system is siding with the pH. So if the pH is acidotic, which system, kidneys or lungs, has the ingredient that's in the acidotic range? So if the source is the kidneys, you have a metabolic derangement. If the source is the lungs, then you have a respiratory derangement. So here's an example I see all the time. All right, so the pH is low, so we know we have an acidosis. The CO2 is high, and we know CO2 is an acid, and so that means the source is respiratory. So I would say I have a respiratory acidosis. But then I also notice that the bicarb is high, but that's probably a good thing. That means the kidneys are trying to compensate by retaining some bicarb to balance out the pH, but sometimes it's just not enough. That would be a partially compensated respiratory acidosis. I see this a lot with COPDers. So they're chronically, they have high CO2, right? They're chronically hypercapnic because they can't blow off their CO2 effectively. So their kidneys have adjusted and they chronically also have high bicarbs to try to compensate to keep the patient in a constant state of homeostasis. So these patients often walk around with CO2s in the 50s 
and bicarbs in the 30s, but their pH is normal because their bodies have learned to compensate. But when they get a pneumonia and the kidneys just can't compensate enough for the amount of CO2 retention they're having now with all that fluid in their lungs, or they get an acute kidney injury and the kidneys are struggling to filter everything already so they can't regulate bicarb to release effectively either. So that's when these patients end up with a respiratory acidosis. Let's do another acidosis example. DKA is a big one I see all the time. So these patients will have an acidotic pH. So their last name is acidosis. So when you look at the bicarb and the CO2, the bicarb is low and the CO2 is low. But your source is metabolic because your lungs are trying to compensate by breathing faster to blow off CO2 to drive up the pH. Because if the lungs can push out more CO2, get rid of more acid, that's what they're trying to do to shift the pH towards the normal range away from acidosis. So if you've ever seen a patient DKA, they are breathing quickly. But it's not because there's something wrong with their respiratory system. That's not the source. But it's because their respiratory system has kicked in to compensate. But honestly, I mean, you'll see this with most metabolic derangements, right? The respiratory system compensates to balance out the metabolic acidosis. And that, my friends, is why counting an accurate respiratory rate is so important. So alkalotic states, I don't see them as often, but you can see them. That's when you have a high pH. So you start by looking at the pH. It's high. Okay, we have an alkalosis. Then you want to look at the CO2. If the CO2 is low, then you have a respiratory alkalosis. If the bicarb is high, then you have a metabolic alkalosis. I get this as a hard one to grasp from the audio format of a podcast. So I'll be posting a great simplified ABG guide on Instagram. So if you don't already follow me on Instagram, go on over and find me. I am the Rapid Response RN. One last thing about ABGs, they're never the priority for a crashing patient. Most of the time when I respond to a call, I can tell within about 20 seconds that the patient needs to go to the ICU or not. If the patient is really compensating hard and failing, those are the patients that I don't even need an ABG to tell you that. And I go to these all the time, right? So the patient's breathing 50 times a minute, they're somnolent, they're pale, they're diaphoretic, and the resident wants to do an ABG to see what's wrong. No, an ABG can wait. It's not gonna change what this patient needs, which is intubation and mechanical ventilation. Most of the time, the data that I need, I can gather from my physical assessment and an oxygen saturation or SpO2. But sometimes the diagnosis is a little more mysterious. We know something's off, but not totally sure how bad it is because the vital signs are still okay. And that's when an ABG is so helpful in determining how well the patient is compensating. When I'm on the fence between ICU or PCU, that ABG often helps guide the decision one way or the other. ABGs are awesome, and the nerd in me loves having more data to help guide our interventions, but never let the diagnostics get in the way of the imminent treatment for a crashing patient. Also, I didn't even go into base excess or mixed respiratory and metabolic acidosis or Winter's formula. There's a lot more to go into with regards to ABGs, and I do all of that in my upcoming course, Rapid Response and Rescue Masterclass. But I just wanted to give you a primer today for ABGs. So when you see one, you feel like you can tackle it on your own. So to summarize, when you look at an ABG, start with the pH. Is it high, low, or normal? Then look at the CO2 and the bicarb to determine the source of the problem. 
Then you can decide if there's compensation or not. And that's how you get your first, middle, and last name of your ABG interpretation. First name, compensated or uncompensated. Middle name, metabolic or respiratory. And last name, acidosis or alkalosis. I hope this helps simplify the daunting ABGs. If this was helpful to you, please share with a friend. The whole reason I made this podcast was to be able to serve and support more nurses than I can just in my own community. It gives me so much joy to know that thousands and thousands of nurses are tuning in and learning from my crazy stories and nerdy breakdowns. So thank you so much to those of you that have already shared my podcast. It means the world to me.